Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship this morning. Cheryl, welcome to worship service number two for you. Uh, Just one announcement for you today, and that is a reminder that we will have the congregational meeting following both services next week for the purpose of electing our slate of elders and trustees and also for approving the changes to my terms of call for uh, the new position that I have at University of the Ozarks. So those will be the two, uh, well, three items of business that we have next week. Should be pretty straightforward, uh, but just a reminder to build in a few extra minutes uh, if you're coming to worship next Sunday. So with all that in mind, let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God. Our call to worship comes from Proverbs 9, 9 through 10. Give instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will gain in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this day with praise and adoration in our hearts, We come to this place to turn ourselves again toward you, to worship and glorify your presence and work in this world and your presence and your work in our lives. We pray the Holy Spirit would move in and through and among us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Please remain seated for our first hymn. Thank you. 
into this sanctuary, when we take a moment to still our minds and open our hearts to the presence of God in this sacred place, we cannot help but have two things overwhelm us, the majesty and glory of God and our own falling short. Both come one after the other. O Lord, I have fallen short, and now that I am here resting in you, I am even more aware of it than before. And so that is why in our worship we come to a time of confession, because we know that God's mercies are everlasting and that we can confess with trust, knowing that he waits to forgive us. So please join me in our prayer of confession. It's printed in your bulletin and on the screen. Holy and gracious God, we pray for grace and mercy this day. Forgive us for transforming you from powerful and mighty God into our divine servant. We turn to you only when we need your help, fully expecting you will grant our wishes as if you are a magic genie. Remind us this day that you are the creator of all that is, all that was, and all that will be, that you are the Lord of all times and places and peoples. Help us to hold you in awe, reverence, and wonder. Transform us, we pray, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I offer you the good news of the gospel this day. We read a bit of it in our final verse of our hymn this morning. Your mercies, O God, how tender, how firm to the end. For you are our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. The mercies of God never come to an end. You are forgiven of your sin, and you are called to be a new creation. And now be at peace. Amen. Let's sing to God's glory. remind you that we are in the midst of a sermon series called To What End, which talks about what exactly we are trying to do here in the church. And so today we're going to consider what is the purpose of this gathering, worship. So with that in mind, let us pray, and then I'm going to read two scripture passages to you. Let's pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So two passages, as I mentioned first, will be from the first chapter of the book of Revelation. That's chapter 1, verses 12 through 19, and then we will move to Exodus chapter 3. 
So I invite you now to listen to God's word to us this morning. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one who was like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full force. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and see, I am alive forever and ever. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now write what you have seen, what is and what is to take place after this. And now Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what do you think of when you think about Moses? If you are of a certain generation, odds are you think of Charlton Heston, right? Maybe that scene where he's standing over the animated parting of the waters. When we think of Moses from Scripture, we think of other important moments in his life. We think of him standing before Pharaoh, talking of the plagues to come. We think of him leading his people out of slavery in Egypt. We think of him standing, looking over the promised land. And we think of this, of him coming before the burning bush, a bush which is burning yet not consumed. But rarely, if ever, do we think of him as a shepherd. It's certainly not the most exciting element of Moses' life, him being a shepherd. And yet, as we find him here in the third chapter of Exodus, that is what he has been for most of the story. As a young man, he killed an Egyptian slave driver and fled from Egypt, and then he found himself out in Midian, in what would certainly make a good action sequence, he fought some bandits off at a well and protected the daughters of a woman named Jethro. And for saving his daughters from the bandit, Jethro gave one of them to Moses in marriage, as you do. And so 
that's where we find Moses watching Jethro's sheep. That's what he's doing. And he'd done it for a while, day in, day out, taking the sheep out to pastures, shearing the sheep, protecting the sheep from predators. Isn't this exciting? Isn't this part of Moses' story absolutely compelling? If only they had included the part where he sheared the sheep in the, in the spring. Wouldn't that have been great? The point is, when Moses comes to the bush, most of his life since he had run away from Egypt was incredibly boring. He did his work, he went home, he had his family, that was what he did. Does this sound familiar to any of us? Now, I'm not going to have us reflect upon the past year, but just think for the past week. What was your past week like? Did you do some things? Think some stuff? Were you bored for quite a while? Interspersed with moments of mild entertainment? Maybe there was one or two moments which felt particularly dangerous to you? Driving down Rogers at 5 o'clock, something like that? There were some times during the week when you probably felt a little bit of stress. Maybe you felt a lot of stress. Maybe you felt a little bit of anxiety. Maybe a lot of anxiety. The point is, it was just a week. It was just a week. You lived, things happened, and now you're back here. Most of Moses' life to this point had been like that. It was just a week. But I want to talk for a while this morning about what it means when we gather here together. There's a lot of passages that I could have picked to talk about worship. The Bible talks about worship quite a bit. But I chose these two passages from Revelation and from Exodus. And I chose them specifically because they are what we call in theological parlance theophanies. I know that's the word you use for all of them as well. I don't mean to patronize you. But they're called a theophany. And what is a theophany? A theophany is an encounter with God. That's what it is. It is a direct encounter with God. So these are theophanies. Moses at the burning bush, John magically appearing in heaven. These are profound, meaningful experiences. Now, most of us, I'm not going to say all of us, but most of us have not had this type of experience in our lives. Most of us have not had a theophany, but some of us may have. Most of us haven't had those, and yet they teach us something vitally important about what we are trying to do when we gather here, what the purpose is of this interruption in the midst of our weeks after weeks after weeks. So I want to ask you a question. You can answer it in your head. Why did you come here this morning? Why did you get out of bed and come here? You could have laid around and had brunch. You could have watched TV. You could have sat outside. It's a lovely morning. I don't mean to make you regret your decision. I'm just pointing out alternatives you had. You could have done any of these things, and yet you came here. So why did you come here? Maybe you came because your parents made you come. Maybe you came because this is simply what you do. Every Sunday since as long as you can remember, you've come to church. 
A lot of you, I know, came to see each other. If you've missed each other, particularly over these past months, you came to see each other. Some of you came to sing. Some of you came here because you needed a respite from the world around us. You were hoping that this would literally be a sanctuary for you in the midst of your week. Some of you came just to sit next to your mom. But regardless, however you landed here, you are here, and these are all valid reasons for why, and I've probably hit on more than a few of the reasons that you all showed up here this morning. But I want to tell you now about the real purpose of why I think we need to be here each and every week. I think we need to be here each and every week in order to remind us to surrender. To surrender. Now, I fully acknowledge that we here are American. And Americans don't like to surrender, right? We're taught, don't surrender. Our best stories are all about not surrendering. Remember the Alamo? I mean, they died to the last man, didn't surrender. The famous story from World War II during the Battle of the Bulge when the city of Bastogne was surrounded by Nazi forces and the Nazis sent an offer of surrender to the American leader. What did the American leader say? Some of you know, you can say it. Nuts. He said nuts. And the Germans didn't even know what it meant. But no, we're Americans. We don't surrender. And yet, what do we see when we look at these two theophanies and stories like them in Scripture? We see very clear, performative acts of surrender, of absolute, unconditional surrender. Think of that story from Revelation. John has been transported to heaven. He is having a vision And he sees Jesus appear before him, and Jesus looks like nothing he has ever seen. Hair white as snow, a sword coming from his mouth, his face shining like the fullness of the sun. And John says, I fell before him as though dead. Just fell right on the ground, right in front of him. Didn't even try to stand up. No questions. Down. Surrender. Moses, he's got all these sheep, and he's wandering around with them through the desert. He sees something funny over to the side. It's a bush. It's on fire. He goes to get a closer look, and then the bush speaks to him. Moses whips off his shoes, casts them to the side, covers his face, and says, Here I am. That's it. Here I am. Surrenders. When we think about what we're supposed to be doing in our lives of faith, When we think about what it is we're actually supposed to be up to, it is a process of surrender over the course of our lives. And to what are we actually surrendering? We are surrendering to God. We're handing it over. Worship is a profound act, when done best, a profound act of letting go. Think about that week. Think about the week that I had you conjure in your heads. Think about all the things 
you were working on and thinking about over the course of the week. All those things you are thinking about and working on in your heads right now, even as we gather together. Think about all those things that we carry with us day in and day out, things which inevitably orbit around us, our priorities, our beliefs, our energies, our desires, our preferences, our whole weeks are inevitably in orbit around us. And worship is a reminder to let ourselves go, to surrender, to give it up. That is what God calls us to. He calls us to make our lives about him and his work. He calls us to shape our lives around God's grace, God's love, God's compassion, God's justice. These are all things that primarily have little to do with our preferences, our desires, or our beliefs. We spend all this time, we spend all this time during the course of the week thinking about our jobs, our tasks, what we're going to have for dinner, where we're going to get the groceries, what we see on the news, what our friend did to us. We think about all these things all week when in fact we should just constantly be in this process of letting go. That's what this morning and mornings like it are about. Reminding us to surrender. Moses had all these sheep he was responsible for. It was the entire wealth and livelihood of his family. It was everything he had, those sheep. Lose the sheep and it's death. And here Moses has this epiphany before God. God speaks from the bush, Moses, Moses. Does Moses turn to God and say, hold on, I got to check on my sheep. He surrenders. Moses, Moses, here I am. I don't know. I don't know if any of us will ever have an experience like Moses had at the burning bush. I don't know if any of us will be transported to heaven as John was. I don't know if any of those things will happen. But I know that for all of us, this hour each week, should remind us that our calling is to surrender, to let go. The reason you get out of bed on a Sunday morning, the reason you come here, the reason you sit down next to each other is to remind yourself of the truth of who we are called to be. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We are called to live our lives in a certain way, and in order to do that, it means that we must, to some degree, surrender the other parts of our lives. We must let those go. I mean, as much as we like all the stuff about church and all the stuff that comes with it, God did not come and create this world and all that is in order to meet our needs. Jesus did not die on the cross so that we could have our preferred music of choice during our hour of worship each week. The Spirit does not animate our time together or our work or become present at the sacraments in order for us to feel better. 
Worship is about letting go. And guess what? We can do it. It's okay. It's safe. I know we're all worried about things that aren't safe. It's safe. How do we know? John's in heaven. He sees this being that looks nothing like he's ever seen before. He falls before him as though dead. And what does Jesus do? He reaches down, he touches him, and he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. Moses casts off his shoes and listens to God say to him, Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God to whom we surrender is the God of our mothers and fathers, the God of our great-grandmothers and great-grandfathers, the God of the saints of the church, the God of those who built this sanctuary, the God of the prophets, the God of the disciples, the God of the very first Christians, the God of Moses and John, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we get up in the morning on a beautiful Sunday and we come here, we come here to worship that God and to perform an act of surrender. Amen. As we pray together today, we have many prayer concerns for our church family. I will highlight just a couple for you. We have two members of the church who are in the hospital currently. Uh, Melissa Shire is in the hospital in Rogers, uh, undergoing very serious heart surgery tomorrow. And John Ford is, has been moved to hospice uh, at Mercy Hospital here in town. Also, uh, yesterday we celebrated the gift of Catherine Sandal's life um, in our worship time at her funeral. The flowers at the entrances are from her service the family wanted you to have today. And so we will want to keep Paul and their children in our prayers as well. Let us pray. God of all time and space. God of the beginning and the end. In this moment of worship, we remember again that our times are in your hands. That our lives and the life of this world is in your hands. We surrender again to you to your desire for us and to your desire for this world. In our surrender, we with one voice offer our prayers for this world that you love. 
We pray for all who are suffering this day in lands that we will never see and people we will never meet. We especially pray for our brothers and sisters in India this day who suffer so greatly. We pray this day for mothers, for the mothers who raised us, for those who acted as mothers in our lives all along the way. We thank you for all that you placed in them that was good and kind. We give you thanks that you do not create us to be alone, but you set us in community. And so we pray for that community today. We pray for Melissa and John and Barbara. We pray for Paul. And we offer to you now our particular concerns, our particular prayers, both aloud and in the silence of our hearts. We thank you for the gift of our lives. We ask that you would remind us how precious they are. That when you created us, you looked upon us and said, this is very good. Help us to live as your children in grateful response to the gifts you have given us. We offer our prayers in the name of your Son, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In our time of offering, this music is offered to the glory of God as we continue to offer our very lives to him.
Let us pray. O God, for this time of worship, we give you thanks. And for the gifts which you have showered upon us in our lives, we give you thanks. We pray that we may return even but a portion of those gifts you've given to share with the world in your name. And it is in your name that we offer this prayer and together pray. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing. Now may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once more into these doors. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.